Hey everyone, it's Tween Teen Tales with Aussie Dad, and today we're continuing on with The Odd Ones Out. Chapter 7 Laser Tag. In other states, summer vacation happens when the weather is at its best. In Arizona, the weather during this period of time is what we called Why Do I Live Here? It's too hot to do anything outside but go to a pool or watch stuff melt. Seriously, Swimming is the one activity we can do without risking heat stroke. You just get to risk sunburns and skin cancer instead. The thing is, you can only mess around in a pool for so long before it gets boring. Fortunately, we've got some fun indoor places that have air conditioning. When I was little, my family and I went to Chuck E. Cheese's all the time. And nothing says good pizza and good times like a large robotic singing rodent. When I got older... The best thing to do in the summers was to play laser tag. If you didn't know already, laser is actually an acronym for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. So really, it should be lazy or tag, but that doesn't sound as cool. Nobel Prize winner Arthur Shorlow invented the laser in 1957, and sure, Lasers were used in the lunar landing and they have medical and military purposes, but I think we can all agree that their best application is laser pointers and laser tag. Lasers can supply you with hours of fun. Unless you're my co-worker who was fired for shining a laser pointer at cats. Don't do that. When I was about 15, I went with a group of my friends to a laser tag place for someone's birthday party. If you've never played laser tag, Here's how it usually goes. When you get there, you have to wait for the game inside to finish up before you can play. Since sessions last 30 minutes, the place has arcade games to keep you busy and take more money from you. So my friends and I were playing some arcade games and this group of four guys came in wearing all black. I'm talking black long sleeve shirts, black pants and even black gloves. Three of them were wearing some sort of a black hat and the one who wasn't already had black hair. They looked about 18 or 19 years old, so they were older than us, but still young enough to go all-out commando at the laser tag place. My first thought was, huh, look at these goths. They think they're all cool with their dark clothes. What dweebs. But then I remembered that the laser tag arena was dimly lit. These guys weren't goths. They were wearing camouflage. So then I thought, wow, these guys came prepared. But another part of me thought, wow. These guys are even bigger dweebs. They came prepared to a laser tag fight. I don't know what these guys' names were, but I'm going to call them all Hunter. Not because they were prepared to go out and hunt people, but because I think only someone with a name like Hunter would do this. It's just one of those names. If someone named Hunter is reading this, I'm not sorry. Now, before a laser tag session starts, Everyone has to sit in a room while some bald employee tells you, in a very scripted manner, the rules of the game. At one point, they make you repeat the rules back to them. They say, I will not run, jump, or climb. And then you have to say, I will not run, jump, or climb. I remember while we were chanting the rules, these four guys were just staring off into space, not repeating anything. Maybe they thought they were too cool for rules. Anyway, it was pretty clear they were planning on running, jumping, and or climbing. 
After we, excluding the hunters, were all through repeating the rules, we went to a fairly large multi-level arena. Some laser tag places are skimpy on the scenery, but this place had towers, pillars and platforms to hive on. It even had mirrors to make things more confusing. All that was missing was a zipline and a teleporter. Then it would have been really awesome. We all started playing the game. Everything was dark except for some inexplicable reason, the vests we wore. Those had coloured lights on them to designate which team you were on. You could belong to one of three teams. The red team, the yellow team, or the blue or green team. I've forgotten the actual colours. That's not important. So we're having fun fake shooting people when all of a sudden I ran into this group of people wearing strobe lights on their shoulders. The lights were so bright they blocked out the coloured lights on their vests, making them harder to hit. I couldn't see these guys' faces or really anything in their direction, but I knew immediately who these guys were. Do you want to take a guess? A. The Hunters B. The Hunters Or C. A lightning bug having a seizure That's right, it was the Hunters. At first, I stood my ground and shot at the flashing field of light, but I got hit so many times I broke one of the rules. I ran away. Can you blame me? These kids came prepared. If we were using real lasers, I wouldn't have stood a chance. I found one of my friends and said, Did you see the guys with the strobe lights? Yeah, he said. They gave me this scar, and he had a 12-inch scar on his face. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. We are fighting with lasers. But can you imagine? This meant war with the hunters. After they'd pulled a move like that, I wasn't going to let them get away, untouched from my laser. Later in the game, I went to one of the towers, got a good vantage point and waited. This strategy is called camping, and is universally frowned upon. But if the hunters weren't going to play fair, neither would I. I saw a flashing light followed by darkness, followed by another flashing light very quickly in the distance. And that's when the hunters became the hunted. I was going to straight up snipe these dweebs. I started spamming my trigger. I landed a hit. I knew I'd hit one of them because we got to make up names for ourselves before we started. And well, no one took that seriously. We all came up with joke names like Buttfar or Big Ween or Shooty McShootface. But the name I chose was A Girl. Let me explain. When you get shot, a screen on your gun says who shot you. So whenever I shot someone, their screen would say, A girl shot your chest. Or, A girl shot your back. Sure. Sexist, but at the time I thought it was the pinnacle of my comedy career. I don't know if any of you guys have been in this situation, but let me tell you, it's very hard to keep a straight face when halfway across a laser tag arena, an almost adult man screams with 100% seriousness, I'm gonna kill you, girl! That was how I knew I'd hit someone. I was only a little intimidated by that threat. The rest of me was trying not to laugh. After I hit one of the hunters, I ran away from my spot. Another rule broken. So everything went on normally after that. We finished playing the game and the lights turned on. While I was walking to the exit, I saw each of the hunters holding a wad of black electrical tape. I'm not saying they put black tape over their sensors so you couldn't hit them, but they totally put black electrical tape over their sensors so you couldn't hit them. Luckily though, their team didn't win. So, ha. Huh, Neither did my team, but that's not important. Can you imagine them in their car driving to the laser tag arena? Hunter is driving and he looks over and says, Hunter, did you bring the strobe lights? Yeah, Hunter, I brought them.
Hunter, you got the tape, right? Yeah, Hunter, it's right here. Hey, Hunter, where's your hat? Hunter said he was going to bring me one. Oh, sorry, Hunter, I forgot. Here, Hunter, take my hat. My hair's already black. Thanks, Hunter. I bet the ride home wasn't nearly as happy. What I'm trying to tell you is, sometimes it doesn't matter who you are in life. You can plan, you can prepare, but a girl will always end up sniping you. Chapter 8. Science Fair I think we can all agree that schools make you learn a lot of useless stuff. People's usual go-to complaint about school is that we have to learn math. They'll say things like, When will I ever use algebra, geometry, calculus in the real world? But why do so many people immediately point their finger at math? I'm guessing because they're bad at algebra, geometry, calculus. When will I ever have to use the things I learned in English class, like Shakespeare or iambic pentameter? Once in fifth grade, my teacher called me to a desk, pointed to a spot in my homework and said, I asked you to write four methods the Hopi Indians used to dry farm their fields. You only wrote two. My first thought was, well, thank goodness I'm not a Hopi Indian dry farmer. I only know 50% of what they did. And why does it even matter anymore? We have technology now. I bet the Hopi farmers today use sprinklers, so this isn't a problem I worry about. I didn't actually say all that, and to tell you the truth, I've forgotten the two ways of dry farming I did put down, so that just shows how much I learned. I'm guessing water and some type of soil was involved, but this chapter is about the school assignment that I hated the most, the science fair. Once I was talking to my friend Javen about how much school science fairs suck, and she said, oh, at my school we didn't do the science fair. That got me wondering whether other people had suffered through a science fair before. So I did my own science experiment. I ran the Twitter poll and asked if people had to do the science fair during school and whether they enjoyed doing it. Of the 8,500 people who responded, 58% said that they didn't have to do a science fair, which was way more than I'd expected. I've renamed this group the lucky ones. Of those who did do the science fair, when asked whether they enjoyed it, 21% said they did. I call these people the nerds, and 21% said they didn't. I know Twitter polls aren't the most accurate sources of data, but I think it's safe to say this issue is pretty evenly split. I'm in the 21% of people who didn't enjoy the science fair. Don't get me wrong, I love science. While that may not be completely true, I really hated biology. It was just memorising vocabulary words. And chemistry, that was just a mess. Chemistry added even more vocabulary words and then tried to throw in math on top of everything else. And for some reason, the periodic table was there too. Fun fact about my AP chemistry class, at the start of the year, there was an even amount of boys and girls in the class, but then as the year went on, all the boys dropped the class until at the end of the year, I was the only boy left. Which just goes to show you that chemistry is totally a ladies club. The only reason I passed chemistry was because I got some extra credit points, which just meant the teacher didn't want to have to teach me again. The only useful thing I did in that class was come up with the name for the comic I was going to create that summer. The odd one's out. I thought physics was okay. It was a good balance of math and vocabulary words. It really made me think about serious stuff like those twirling fire sticks and what would happen if I let go of this. 
On second thought, maybe I don't like science. Maybe I just liked watching the magic school bus and Bill Nye, the science guy. Anyway, let me briefly go over what the science fair is for, you lucky ones who didn't have to do it. We started working on science fair projects around 4th grade and did them every year up until 10th grade. Everyone in the class would spend a lot of time researching a topic that interested them and then we all had to come up with a question about the topic that we could base an experiment on. Here are the sorts of questions we chose. Does the temperature of a battery affect how long it will last? What colour light produces the most heat? How does the shape of a rocket's fins affect its travel? All of these were projects I did. The science fair was supposed to teach us about the scientific method, but all it really taught me was to procrastinate and make up data. Sorry, scientists. You might think, oh, but the science fair sounds like fun. I wish my school did them. No. Here were some of the flaws of the science fair. First, we got the option to work with a partner. Working with a partner sounds like a good idea because you can split up the work and not do as much. Now, since I didn't have any friends, in fourth grade I partnered up with someone no one else wanted to be with. Unfortunately, he didn't do any of the work. He just blew off his part of the assignment. That was enough to keep me from wanting to partner with anyone on anything ever again. The second problem with the science fair was that we had to come up with a question to investigate all on our own. And you have to understand, we were just kids. We didn't exactly have the cognitive abilities that scientists have. Just a couple of years before, we all still believed in Santa Claus. Except for me, my family didn't do Santa Claus. Adults didn't even trust us with lockers in high school, and now teachers wanted us to wonder if the ratio of a cylinder would affect its buoyancy. Come on. I think maybe it would have been better if we were assigned a question, at least in elementary school. I know the whole point of the project is to help us learn about the process of discovery, but we're all stupid when we're kids, alright? Plus, we didn't have access to any research resources. The science fair is a lot like an episode of Mythbusters, but what sets the Mythbusters apart from your average fourth grader is that they have access to high-end explosives and TV production money while we have to ask our parents to drive us to Walmart for art supplies. One time I wanted to do an experiment on a certain type of soil, so I did research and came up with a question, but then when my mum and I went to Home Depot, they didn't have the correct soil, so I had to start over and make up a whole new question. I bet the Mythbusters never have to do that. Their mums would take them to a different Home Depot. Which shows you that if you choose a crappy question for your project, you will automatically have a bad experience. For my very first science fair, after spending a day researching possible questions, my partner and I came up with this. Now, I already know the answer to this question, and in fourth grade, I'm sure I knew the answer too. It's noon. Editor's note. Actually, it's around 3pm. I don't need to run an experiment on that. In fact, I can go to Google, type in weather, and boom! There are my results right there. No need for an experiment. But the science fair isn't about just finding the answer to your question like regular science. No, 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 no. After you research the topic, you have to write a hypothesis. 
A hypothesis is basically you guessing what you think the results of the experiment will be, but instead of writing, I think this will happen, you have to write it like you know what the answer is. So basically the science fair is teaching you to lie. The formula for a perfect hypothesis is if blank then blank because blank. Let's use this formula for the battery experiment I did in sixth grade. I asked does the temperature of a battery affect how long it will last? After doing research about how batteries work and feeling confident about what the results should be we'd write a hypothesis for this experiment like this. If two AA batteries are used at differing temperatures then the battery in a hot temperature will not last as long because the battery's fluid will evaporate which damages the internal structure of the battery. Oh, and spoiler alert, no, 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 it doesn't. I put two batteries outside on a hot day and two in the freezer, let them sit, and when I plugged them into my Game Boy Advance, they lasted the exact same amount of time. The upside of this experiment was that I got to play my Game Boy Advance and call it homework. For the Science Fair report, you also have to write up the materials used, the steps to do your experiment, the procedures, and an introduction. The introduction is basically you writing about what you're going to do. Then you do the experiment, aka the fun part. Make sure you write down your results, the not fun part, because you have to graph them. How do you make a graph to show that your batteries at different temperatures lasted the same amount of time? You think you're done, right? But you're not. Now you have to write up your results as if your graph didn't already perfectly depict the results and write a conclusion. The conclusion is the most insulting part of the science fair. You basically answer this list of questions. Was your hypothesis correct? No, my hypothesis was not correct. What mistakes might you have made in your experiment? I don't know, maybe I took the batteries out of the cold and hot places too soon and I put them in a room temperature Game Boy so that in a couple of minutes they both were at room temperature again. How can others use the information you found? What do you mean? All the batteries lasted the same amount of time. I don't think anyone is going to put their batteries in their freezer to have literally no effect. Another year, I wanted to do a project to see if plants could grow from reflected light. I never ended up doing this one because of one simple problem. This is a project that can't be procrastinated. Plants take a while to grow. I'm going to guess, hypothesize, and say, yeah, they probably can grow from reflected light. I don't think plants check to see if light has bounced off a mirror first before photosynthesizing it. I mean, I've seen potatoes sprout to life in the darkness of a pantry cupboard. Anyway, after you're done writing down your data, you take everything you wrote, print it out, and then slap it onto a poster board. And everyone, and I mean everyone, used construction paper as a border around the text to give the poster board a good aesthetic. The second most fun part of the science fair was choosing what word art font to use for your title. The teachers told us to have a creative title to catch people's attention, like that was part of the assignment. Basically, they were grading us on our ability to come up with puns. If you were doing a project about measuring plant growth, Ready, Set, Grow was a very popular choice. And then everyone took their poster board to the front of the class and gave a presentation. 
Those were the three most boring days of science class ever, except for the day you yourself presented. That was the most stressful day. In all my years of listening to other kids talk about their science fair projects, I only remember one of them. There was this kid who did his project on water cleanliness, so he had a water meter that read the amount of total dissolved solids, or TDS, in the water. He must have had dyslexia because during his presentation he talked about the STDs in the water. You really don't want to know how many STDs there were in the school drinking fountain. Anyway, after presentations were finished, everyone in the school put their poster boards in the cafeteria and walked around to judge what people in their classes had done and how they decorated their poster boards. And you could always tell whose mum had helped. Overall, I did not have a good time. To those 21% of people who did enjoy the science fair, I'm glad you liked it, but me and the other 21% of people think you're huge nerds. After I ran that Twitter poll, I had some people message me saying, yeah, I got third place and all I had was a cup of dirt. Haha. <laughs> I think the key to a good science fair is to come up with a good question and also to do it on a topic you actually enjoy. One of my science fair projects was on rockets and I had a blast. That would have been a good poster board title. I actually chose that topic after I procrastinated on the can plants grow from reflected light idea. I had to come up with something that could be done fast. And how does the shape of a rocket's fins affect its travel was easy because my older sister had already done this exact project. And also, my older brother did that project too. You'd think I'd know a lot about rockets now since my whole family has been around them, but all I really remember is that you shouldn't mess with a rocket's fins. They were probably designed by, I don't know, rocket scientists? And no, I didn't just reuse my siblings' poster boards and data. My dad made me actually launch rockets. Basically, working on the science fair is a lot like life. Choose your partner carefully, ask the right questions, and after you procrastinate, just launch model rockets. Alright, well that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed that and look after yourselves. Take care.